Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Good Friday morning, Savannah made her way to London as the world pauses to remember Queen Elizabeth II, Savannah. Hoda, good morning. It is a somber day here at Buckingham Palace, but also one of celebration for a long life well lived. It's September 9th, and this is today. Tributes and tears. The official period of mourning now underway after the passing of the Queen, the longest reigning monarch in British history. She's given her life to us. Her devotion to her country and its people unwavering through 70 years of challenges and changes, her impact felt all around the globe. She was an incredibly gracious and decent woman. As the monarchy prepares for a new era under now King Charles, a historic changing of the guard set to take the royal family in a new direction. And the skies over Buckingham Palace provide a hopeful and poignant sign on the day of her death. This stunning double rainbow as Elizabeth's life and legacy is honored far and wide today, Friday, September 9th, 2022. From NBC News, this is a special edition of Today, Remembering Queen Elizabeth II, with Savannah Guthrie, live from London, and Hoda Kapi, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today. It is Friday morning, 7 a.m. on the West Coast, 3 o'clock in the afternoon here in London. And Hoda, just moments ago, what a moment we saw. King Charles III arriving here unannounced at Buckingham Palace, spending about 10 minutes greeting his new subjects who came to honor his mother, Queen Elizabeth II. And you can see he spent several moments shaking hands walking past this beautiful tribute that has blossomed here at the gates of Buckingham Palace. He was then joined by his wife, Camilla, now queen consort. They walked along the palace gate and saw some of those flowers piled high, now getting near the top of the gates, the messages people have been leaving. I think you said it earlier, Hoda, it's so personal. And when you read these notes, it's like there's been a death in the family. People are reaching out and expressing their grief, their love, and their gratitude to this queen uh, that was so much the matriarch of this nation. Yeah, and you can see how, how they were holding on to King Charles as he walked that line. That was really beautiful. And before the king's arrival, Parliament declared the official period of mourning underway. We're going to look at the queen's life and legacy throughout this morning, including, Savannah, what she meant to Americans. Yeah, we're also going to look ahead to the future of the royal family. We just saw it under King Charles' reign. We're going to begin our coverage this morning with Keir Simmons. He's also here at Buckingham Palace. Hi, Keir. Good morning. Savannah, good morning to you. This is a watershed moment, a defining moment, and both a very public and very private moment for the man who we must now call 
King Charles, who we just saw, as you mentioned, just a few moments ago. And you, you have to pinch yourself, don't you, that this is really happening, that King Charles is walking into Buckingham Palace in those pictures uh, for uh, the first time. And, and how must he be feeling, grieving his mother, but showing this public face? For so many, many of us, Savannah, millions of us, and anyone who's lost a loved one will understand this. And, and Charles must be experiencing this too. There have been these moments where you're getting on with your life, you're distracted, and then suddenly you stop, and it hits you again almost as it did yesterday. The Queen is dead. Britain woke this morning without its Queen of 70 years, the beginning of a new era. Charles and Queen Consort Camilla travelling to London this morning and paying tribute to Buckingham Palace. This is the last public picture of her at the home where she died, her beloved Balmoral Castle in Scotland. The Queen smiling, appointing Britain's new Prime Minister just days before her death, determined to do her duty, her final act in a lifetime of service. Her children, son Charles, now King Charles, racing to be by her side. Grandson William, now next in line to the throne, driving his uncles, Prince Andrew and Prince Edward, to say their last goodbyes. Prince Harry, appearing distraught, arriving just after his grandmother's death was announced. The royal's grief, private, while in public, on royal gates, a simple proclamation. Queen Elizabeth II died peacefully, and as flags across the country were lowered, a rainbow magically rising above Buckingham Palace and Windsor Castle, crowds spontaneously singing the national anthem. She's the person we've always looked up to, somehow. It's just a sad day. Just a very, very sad day. She's been a role model for so many people, so many people. Old-fashioned values, everything that we could ever have wanted and more besides. Great. Tributes Great. from world leaders, 12. including US President Canadian. Joe Biden, arriving hour by hour. Queen Elizabeth, so much more than Britain's longest-serving monarch. A global icon diplomat and, quite simply, a steady presence in people's lives. Born in 1926, the third grandchild of King George V, for seven decades, Elizabeth would guide the nation and its monarchy through historic challenges. My lords, pray be seated. And all that while balancing motherhood and monarchy, three sons, a daughter, and a daughter-in-law, Diana, whose death rocked the royal family. She embraced many changes, including the marriage of her grandson, Prince William, to Kate Middleton, and later Prince Harry to the American actress Meghan Markle. She celebrated the birth of 12 great-grandchildren. But in 2021, she lost her cherished husband of seven decades. Queen Elizabeth continued to inspire people around the world. Just this year, her Platinum Jubilee celebrated with a military parade, joined by three future kings, Charles, William and George. Today, King Charles will lead his country in mourning. His sons, William and Harry, united in grief. Harry travelling back to London this morning. The loss of their much-loved grandmother bringing them together. Savannah. All right, Kara, indeed. Thank you. And joining us now is Wilfred Frost, an NBC News contributor and anchor for Sky News here in the UK. You know, we just saw moments ago, right behind us here, King Charles.
the Queen Consort Camilla right here meeting and greeting people. What does it say to you that he lands in London and essentially this is his first stop? Well, I think the fact he came to Buckingham Palace itself, not that surprising because we knew he wasn't going to stick around and uh, enjoy the warmth and family surrounding he could have done in Balmoral for a long time. He needed to get to work. What was surprising and wonderful to see was what happened when he got here. First and foremost, that he stepped out and went to the people, not straight into his palace, uh, and he did so with, I think, poise and humility and the reaction he got, which was one of great respect and warmth. And I think immediately we're witnessing two things, the handover to a new head of state that the people now look up to, but also the mourning that will take place over the next 10 days. And it'll be great for him and his family members to see how much their mother meant to, to uh, so many millions of people. You know, it, there were even some shouts of hip hip hooray for the new king, which is so astonishing to think about what has transpired in the last 24, 36 hours. Uh, absolutely. Within 24 hours, almost of the announcement, he is down here and, and on with official duties. But again, you know, that hip hip parade, that warmth he got from the crowd, shows the continuity that comes from the institution more than anything else. He is now uh, our king. We now say, God save the king. We now would sing a national anthem of, of those words uh, as well. And, and that's exactly what you saw, you witnessed uh, as he stepped out into the crowds. I walked over a few minutes ago just to kind of look at the flowers and try to read some of the messages. They're deeply personal. One person wrote a poem, a lovely poem about Queen Elizabeth and her passing and Prince Philip being there to, to, to greet her. What did she mean to this country? I, and also you see people of all ages as well. Kids uh, almost uh, respect her more than people that have been around for so long. I, I think that she's impossible to replace. Uh, she, she is ultimately uh, a one-off here for 70 years. And I, I think she just delivered with such grace uh, uh, and uh, with no arrogance or glory on her duty and, and provided us with this unifying place to look up to separate head of state she's not the head of government even when all else was changing and, and, and in that essence gave us a, a national figurehead that we we could celebrate and that's in good times and bad duty is always a word that comes up with Queen Elizabeth for good reason I was we were just talking a few minutes ago about how she worked almost until her dying day. She wanted to do her duty of appointing the new prime minister. I, I go back to that speech she gave when she was 21 years old and, and said famously, whether my life be long or short, I will dedicate it to you, the British people. Uh, absolutely right. I mean, I, I've been thinking about that a lot over the last couple of days, the fact that just two days ago, or three days ago now, she was appointing a new prime minister. One does wonder a little bit whether, uh, despite the health problems she's had, once she'd got through uh, her husband's funeral, once she'd got through the Jubilee, whether she might have started to, to slip into ill health until, of course, her 14th prime minister was forced to resign and that date was set when she'd have to appoint her 15th and whether by uh, consciously or subconsciously she just thought I'm going to be there for that and fight right till, till the very end. And, and again, as we said, duty uh, above all else for her. Well, I, I think the Queen would say, you know, it's wonderful to be lionized, but also to tell the truth about the ups and the downs. And over 70 years, there were highs and there were lows. What do you think were the most challenging moments of her tenure? I think the 90s is the decade that everyone comes back to for, for all sorts of reasons. There was random events like the fire in Windsor Castle uh, and of course there was challenges with uh, divorces and then the passing. She uh, herself called it the Annus Horribilis, uh, exactly. which I think is Latin for a really bad year. Yeah, I think it is, exactly. Really bad year is a much easier thing to deliver. <laughs> I'm not going to try and repeat the Latin. No, but I, I think that that, you know, that decade was an example where in fact she let the necessary ongoing modernization of the family 
get behind the curve. She was behind the curve on it. The other decades, particularly the last two, she has been ahead of the curve on doing that to make sure that it is always an institution that the people still want uh, and the people still respect. Uh, and for a decade, she let that slip. And, and it was very challenging now. When we think of what high regard she's held in now, that decade was tough. And I think that's one of the key lessons that Prince Charles has to, to take away. Make sure you stay ahead of the curve with necessary reforms because we're in an age of meritocracy now. To have an inherited royal family, you have to be loved and wanted by the people to, to exist for the long term. Well, as we understand it, King Charles is now behind us in Buckingham Palace recording an address that he will then release to be aired tonight, 6 o'clock local time, 1 o'clock Eastern time. And then he will approve the formal plans for how this morning period will unfold. And I always kid you and say that you're almost royalty here in, in Britain because we know your father, Sir David Frost, but it is your uncle who has actually been overseeing these plans. He has. So uh, he's one of these odd official titles, Earl Marshall, that uh, he is responsible for planning of, of state occasions. This, of course, the biggest state occasion uh, of all time. And 10 days of events has been many, many years, decades uh, in planning. And every single detail has been poured over from the route that her coffin will take to the hymns uh, that people will sing uh, at the funeral. And they've been poured over between him and Her Majesty, but they're not set in stone until King Charles finally approves them. And, and that will happen. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed uh, later this afternoon the, the other key meeting though that, that the king will have today the most important of all of those is his first official audience uh, with prime minister Liz Truss, again, bringing us back to, to just the, a reminder of how much has changed in this country this past week. Just in one week, absolutely. And perhaps we'll learn more about how this week will unfold in the weeks after during this period of mourning. Hoda, for now, we'll send it back to you. All right, look forward to that, Savannah. Um, of course, guys, tributes are growing here at home as well. The Queen was the only British monarch most of us have ever known. And take a look this morning, flags flying at half staff across Washington at the Capitol and at the White House. And that's where we find NBC's chief White House correspondent, Kristen Welker. She joins us now. Hi, Kristen. Good morning. Hi, Hoda. Good morning to you. The Queen's death is being felt across the U.S. Here in Washington, President Biden saying she helped make our relationship special. A bond forged in meetings with 13 sitting presidents and an American audience who adored her. She belonged to Britain, but America is mourning too. Queen Elizabeth's remarkable reign spanned nearly one-third the life of this nation. This just seemed like such a significant moment, the, the passing of this woman who has been kind of the stalwart figure in the back of our minds for the past 70 years. President Biden saying she was more than a monarch. She defined an era and paying his respects at the British Embassy in Washington. 
The tributes also pouring in from presidents past, including Donald Trump saying, what a grand and beautiful lady she was. There was nobody like her. Former President Obama, we were struck by her warmth, the way she put people at ease, and former President George W. Bush, she set the standard for steady and dedicated service. Personal remembrances born out of relationships forged over the years, meeting every U.S. president except Lyndon Johnson, dating back to Harry Truman, whom she visited as a 25-year-old princess, then representing her father, the king, only to return to the White House as a queen in 1957. I also want to say how much I appreciate the warmth and friendliness of your reception. Visits punctuated by pomp and pageantry, and she appeared to enjoy America's pastimes, watching a baseball game with the first President Bush, and turning the Kentucky Derby into a royal affair during the second Bush presidency, often at the center of powerful moments. That famous dance with President Ford at the White House becoming the first British monarch to address Congress, sharing her love of horses with President Reagan, and showing her support after 9-11, ordering the British troops to play America's national anthem. And while her last trip to the U.S. was in 2007, every president since has visited the palace. Two countries now bonded in grief for a monarch, a matriarch, Her Majesty. Now, President Biden had met the queen twice, once as a senator and once last year as president when he said her grace reminded him of his mother. We do expect the president to attend her funeral. Hoda. All right, Kristen Walker for us there at the White House. Kristen, thank you. And of course, we will have a lot more on the queen's life and legacy ahead in our broadcast. But right now, 16 minutes past the hour, let's welcome in Craig. We've got some other stories we're following this we morning. We do, Hoda. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. Former Trump advisor Steve Bannon pled not guilty yesterday to defrauding donors who gave money to build a wall on the U.S. southern border. Bannon was indicted in New York on charges including money laundering and conspiracy in what prosecutors described as a year-long scheme. He was released following that arraignment and called the charges, quote, nonsense after he left the courtroom. An update this morning on that test mission of NASA's new moon rocket. Agency officials say they are now targeting September 23rd and September 27th as possible launch windows for the Artemis 1 mission. Inspectors are still examining the hydrogen fuel line that sprung a leak before last week's launch attempt, but managers say they are confident it can be fixed. Uh, Ms. Dylan Dreyer. I want to point out Tropical Storm K out in the Pacific. This is going to be what causes temperatures to drop in the southwest, in Southern California. So we are going to see some heavier pockets of rain move northward through the day today into tomorrow. Some could uh, of these rainfalls could come down at about two to three inches per hour. So there is the threat on some of the burn scars where we could see some mudslides. We're expecting about three to four inches of rain. But I want to point out the temperatures will go from the triple digits and even the 90s down uh, uh, through Southern California, dropping down into the 80s going into the weekend. Some much-needed relief. Even Sacramento drops down to 88 on Sunday. Fresno goes to 91 on Sunday. But look at L.A. and San Diego. 80 degrees for a high Saturday and Sunday down there. And in Los Angeles, 83 degrees for Saturday and Sunday. So we are going to see a break to that record-breaking heat that has been out there for quite some time. We're also looking at a chance of some thunderstorms across the uh, northern plains today. Back behind that cold front, temperatures actually drop down into the 60s and 70s. In the northeast, we're looking 
looking for great temperatures. Uh, we'll top out in the lower 80s. We're also looking for a lot of sunshine. And in the southeast, we will see some scattered thunderstorms today like we have been seeing for quite some time. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, let's head it back to Savannah. Well, just ahead from here in London, we're going to have a closer look at the Queen's unprecedented life of public service, steering the monarchy through decades of change and challenges. Plus, as King Charles prepares to address the UK today for the first time as the head of the Commonwealth, what kind of monarch will he be? We're going to explore his reign and how it could shape the future of the royal family. But first, this is Today on NBC. We're back now, boy, 7.30, and Savannah Kira was showing all those, all those newspapers uh, over there in London. Over here, it's the same thing on the front page of every newspaper. We've got uh, beautiful pictures of the queen, her reign, and um, beautiful uh, just pictures yeah. and tributes to her. So it's being felt over here, too, Savannah. It really is. I should mention the UK Parliament Speaker has now announced that King Charles will address this nation at 6 o'clock local time tonight. As I understand it, a pre-recorded address that the king will ad uh, address the nation um, in just a few hours from now. And as the queen's life is being honored here, it's of course important to remember and highlight the many challenges she faced during that historic seven-decade reign. NBC's Molly Hunter has got that part of the story. She's also here in London with me. Molly, good morning. Savannah, good morning to you. So many challenges over those seven decades. And the outpouring of grief that we are seeing at Buckingham Palace, where you are all of those people laying flowers, gathering, speaks to just how close her subjects felt to her. People felt like they knew her, like she was part of them, part of their family even. But she put duty and public service above all else. Queen Elizabeth II taking on the challenge of her life at just 25 years old when she was crowned after the death of her father, King George, in 1953. Elizabeth was not originally raised to be queen, but she always had a close relationship with the British people, speaking to them during the London Blitz as princess. For God will care for us and give us victory and peace. After taking the throne for 70 years, she balanced the public duties of her office, becoming the most widely traveled monarch in history with the private roles of mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother, speaking directly to her subjects in a Christmas address every year. But now, at least for a few minutes, I welcome you to the peace of my own home. During her reign, 15 British prime ministers served in office, and she met 14 U.S. presidents. Through turbulent periods of war and economic crisis, she stayed out of the political fray, but she embraced her role as head of state, meeting weekly with prime ministers, seeking to project stability on her visits to Commonwealth states after the decline of the British Empire, and gestures of peace, becoming the first British monarch in a hundred years to visit the Republic of Ireland after years of violence. More recently, she navigated the turbulent waters of the Brexit vote to leave the European Union and later the COVID-19 pandemic. But her public leadership was at times overshadowed by the royal family's own personal upheavals. The tragic death of Princess Diana in 1997 rocked the family and the world, many criticizing the queen for waiting days to publicly address Diana's death. I, for one, believe there are lessons to be drawn from her life and from the extraordinary and moving reaction to her death. In later years, some more family strife. Her son, Prince Andrew, facing accusations of sexual misconduct, 
which he denies, and disputes between Prince Harry and the family, though she stayed close to all of her grandchildren. And perhaps the hardest loss to bear came just last year with the death of her husband of over seven decades, the black-clad queen seen grieving Prince Philip alone. But this year, the family honored her, gathering to celebrate the queen's platinum jubilee, marking 70 years on the throne, three future kings flanking the monarch. The queen carried on until the very end, meeting with incoming conservative Prime Minister Liz Truss just two days before her death. Till the very end, which was so her, Savannah. Now, in just a few days, we expect that her body will return to London. She will lie in state at the Houses of Parliament, which are just behind me. And we expect millions and millions, and that is not an exaggeration of people, to come pay their respects. Savannah. All right, Molly, thank you. NBC News Royal commentator Daisy McAndrew joins us now here at Buckingham Palace. I mean, we just saw, how do you, how do you capture 70 years in just a few moments? 15 prime ministers, she met 14 U.S. presidents. The world changed over those 70 years. Did she change with it? Her core didn't change, but she really did move with the times. And if you think about the events, not just the, the way that the wealth changed, with you know, TV, internet, high-speed travel, all those things which she had to get her head around, but, but the events that she experienced and the way she dealt with them. But the thing was, she was always completely unflappable. Remember 1982, Buckingham Palace, Michael Fagan broke into her bedroom, and there was the Queen quite calmly calling for help but having a little chat with him, and that was her style, unflappable. As you mentioned, I mean, you, you can't even get into all the different world events that happened on her watch. Wars, 9-11, to say uh, nothing of all of the other kinds of things that happened. What do you think was the most challenging for her from a political standpoint? I think some of the events that shaped her most actually happened before her coronation, the abdication of her uncle. That gave her the determination not to be like that, that she would serve her country till the day she died, which was exactly what she did. Also, the war. She wasn't. She didn't want to be a flashy monarch because she came in in an age of austerity and, and rationing. But during her reign, I think there are a couple of things. Northern Ireland, the problems with the island of Ireland were such issues. And when she did that incredible trip in 2011, wearing the emerald green, speaking in Gaelic, that really changed politics in Ireland. And one year later, she shook the hand of a former IRA terrorist, having lost her own cousin, Lord Mountbatten, Uncle Dickie, to the IRA. That took real courage, and it, it moved the dial politically. And then finally, I mean, she obviously is the monarch. She's also the matriarch of a real family, and real families are complicated, and hers certainly was. And the scrutiny. I think you were asking me, Savannah, earlier what changed. The level of scrutiny changed over the 70 years. At the beginning of her reign, deference was the key word. You know, we didn't question who they were, what they did, who they were sleeping with. By the end of her reign, that had all changed, and she had to come to grips with that. And she did, but seeing her family in the headlines, seeing the divorces, she called it the Annas Horribilis, and she did struggle with that. Yeah, she said that 1992 was yeah. a horrible year yeah. with Princess uh, Diana and Charles. And uh, what a life. I mean, you can't capture it in just a few moments, but thank you for helping us shine a light a little bit, Daisy. I think the only last one I would say is everybody was proud of her. Mm. That's what the pe people here are thinking And you today. really get that feeling when you yeah. talk to people who are laying flowers. They were proud. Yeah. All right, Daisy, thank you. We'll still ahead. The U.S. ambassador to the U.K. will be our live guest. We'll get her thoughts on the Queen's passing and talk about the plans being made in Washington to honor her. But first, 
All eyes this morning on now King Charles, set to deliver his first address to the Commonwealth in a few short hours from now. Keir Simmons will explore the challenges he faces as he steps into this long-awaited new role. It's right after this. We are back now, 742, with New York's iconic Empire State Building shining overnight in purple and silver. And, of course, that is to honor Her Majesty the Queen Elizabeth II. And similar tributes are taking place across the globe, including in Paris, where the lights on the iconic Eiffel Tower went dark in a show of respect, Savannah. Yeah, and guys, those tributes to the Queen are growing. People are also thinking about what the future of the monarchy now holds. Keir Simmons is back with us with that part of the story. Hi, Keir. Hey, Savannah, good morning again. And while we've been on air, the first pictures of King Charles, as we must now call him, King Charles III, leaving Balmoral and boarding a plane in Aberdeen. He is now in the air with his queen consort, Camilla, as she is now called, heading here to London. The king, as Prince of Wales, did a good deal, but also faced a good deal of controversy. Controversies which he must now leave behind as king, beginning with a TV address to the nation in just a few hours. He's the longest-serving heir to the throne in British history. At the age of 73, Charles, the eldest son of Queen Elizabeth, is now King Charles III. The country's first look at King Charles, travelling to London this morning to assume his duties. In a statement calling his mother's death a moment of the greatest sadness for me and for all the members of my family. In popularity, Charles still trails his mother and his sons and their wives, with only 11% choosing him as their favourite royal. But arguably, no one is more ready to be king. Charles groomed from the age of four when his mother was crowned queen. As a boy, he was shy, lonely, an average student and no sportsman, calling his school in Scotland pure hell. I, Charles, Prince of Wales, do become your liege man of life and limb. At 20, he became Prince of Wales and began to blossom, hunting, playing polo, a pilot in the Air Force, five years in the Royal Navy where he commanded a ship, Charles may be best known as the man who married Princess Diana, a fairy tale wedding seemingly doomed from the beginning. And I suppose in love. Of course. Whatever in love means. <laughs> Public opinion of him plummeting after their acrimonious divorce and Diana's tragic death. Ever since, he's tried to improve his image, ultimately marrying Camilla, who will now take the title of Queen Consort. He became the hardest working member of the royal family, founding charities like the Prince's Trust, helping nearly a million disadvantaged young people and championing causes like environmental protection long before they were fashionable. Do we want to go down in history as the people who did nothing to bring the world back from the brink? Now King Charles has vowed to avoid controversial campaigns as monarch, just as his mother did. Over the last months, as her health weakened, he's assumed more of her duties. One of his first expected plans to slim down the size of the monarchy and reduce its financial drain on the public. Still, his biggest challenge may be healing the rift with his son, Harry, after his royal departure. I will always love him, but there's a lot of hurt that's happened. Now, as his family gathers around Charles, the eyes of the world are on him like never before. 
And Savannah, that TV address expected at 6 p.m. local here. One Eastern Prince Charles getting to work even as he is grieving his mother. But as his mother showed us, that is what duty means, Savannah. Absolutely, Keir, thank you so much. And a reminder, Keir has more insight on the future of the monarchy and the type of King Charles will be on today's Born to Rule podcast. You can find it by scanning that QR code or search for Born to Rule wherever you get your podcasts. And now we'll send it back to you guys in New York. All right, Savannah, thank you. We're going to pause for a minute and get a check of the weather from Miss Dylan Dreyer. What are we looking at this weekend? Well, guys, as we inch closer to the weekend, we are going to see some much-needed rain in the southwest. We have a tropical system. This is Tropical Storm K moving in from the south. It's going to produce a lot of clouds and a lot of rain, perhaps two to four, five, six inches of rain in Southern California. It comes in a quick burst, though, so that means we could see some mudslides and landslides out in that area. So something we will focus on tonight and tomorrow. Elsewhere across the country, besides some storms in the upper Midwest and the northern plains, we're looking at lots of sunshine in the northeast, temperatures in the low to mid-80s. And that's your latest forecast. All right, thank you, Dylan. Uh, still ahead, one of the Queen's many passions inside her longtime love and devotion, to her corgis. But first, these messages. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free. Shopify.com slash podcast free. He would lie his way into their dreams. He was looking for James Bond girls. How fun would that be to be a Bond girl? Then twist them into a nightmare. This guy's done this before. He'll do it again. Until a group of women banded together to put him behind bars and keep him there. You have to participate fiercely, fiercely in what happens next. I'm Keith Morrison, and this is Murder in the Hollywood Hills, an all-new podcast from Dateline. All episodes of Murder in the Hollywood Hills are available now. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Coming up, we will look at the new line of succession to the British throne, Prince William, now first in line, how he and Kate have prepared for this moment and could reshape the monarchy from here in London. Also ahead, the Queen as a global and pop culture icon. We're going to highlight the moments where her personality and sense of humor truly shined. We'll do all of that 